Welcome to Mouthing Off with Olivia. Hey guys, it's Olivia Caridi from The Bachelor, the girl with probably the biggest mouth you've ever seen. But now I'm using my huge mouth to talk really smart things with my favorite reality stars, influencers, YouTubers, you name it. They're gonna mouth off too. Damn. This is Mouthing Off with Olivia. Fantastic. We're gonna start again. It's gonna be so fun. My mic suck. Hey, it's Cat Herd. Hello, hello. Cat's here, and she just told the greatest story that she's gonna tell again. Cat was on uh, Juan Pablo's season of The Bachelor, and we all know that was an iconic season. Like iconic or eyesore. And I know everyone has their different opinions about him. And I'm sure we will get into that, but it was quite the experience. I, I, I'll just briefly tell the story again. I met Kat, uh, we were just saying maybe three years ago, but that seems like a really long time ago, but it was a time when the world was open. Yeah. I remember that it was, we went to a fun little restaurant. It was me, Ashley, Charlene, Kayla and then Jacqueline um, met up with us later and anyway that's when I fell in love with Kat and then I've been bothering her ever since to come on the podcast so that's literally the evolution of our (laughs) evolution of our friendship and so we're gonna hear this amazing story so you've lived in Arizona yeah for the last decade I grew up in the Midwest I grew up outside of Chicago um And then I went to undergrad and grad school at the University of Iowa, go Hawkeyes. And then I moved to Phoenix for work. And so I've been here ever since. And I was actually working at the same company even while I was on The Bachelor. So I left and took five weeks off. I had every intention of coming back and quitting because I was like just done with the company. And then I stayed for another like six years. I feel like that's really rare to be like with a company for you know, over 10 years. So June 1st was the start of my 11th year, but I actually put in my notice. And so my last day was June 4th. And you were just kind of going into your casting story, which yours is really unique. It's my, yeah, my casting experience was very bizarre and also like odd because you don't know. I mean, you know how it is until you start talking to people, you don't know what the casting experience is supposed to be like. And so um, the whole reason I was even interested in going on The Bachelor is the guy I was dating at the time, um, total psycho, but his best friend from high school was Robert Graham, who's on Desiree's season. So I knew Bobby and I knew that he came home early and got kicked off because that he had met Desiree and slept with her roommate and didn't remember meeting Desiree. And so I knew that he got kicked off. Like, I want to say episode two. So I watched the show because I'm like, I want to see this drama unfold because Bobby and Richie are just like kind of crazy. And they never aired any of it. But the first person out the limo was Drew from Desiree's season, Drew Kenny. And I knew Drew from Scottsdale. Um, I would go, I would go to the W like every weekend just so I could see Drew. He's very dreamy and he's actually just like a really nice person. So we became friends, but I always had a huge crush on him. And so I started texting with him. And at the same time, I had a girlfriend who was texting me who's like, I'm nominating you for The Bachelor because she was watching it. And so I kind of got this wild hair and was talking to Drew. And I was like, I'm just going to go to the casting call because there was a casting call like in a couple weeks in um, Phoenix. And so 
I thought, okay, maybe Drew's going to be the bachelor. Was he like in the running? Yeah. So he was final two in Desiree's season. Of course. Yeah. Duh. Yeah. He like got his heart broke. And so I went to in-person casting weekend. And when they told me it was Juan Pablo, it was like my heart broke (laughs) because I was really hoping it was Drew, but. Did Drew want it? Um, I don't know. Like he and I, like we texted briefly, like he he had forged a friendship with Juan Pablo. I think he had gave Juan Pablo like some like insight on me preseason, um, or like when he found out that I was like actually going to be on the show, but yeah, I didn't really keep touch with him. I, I guess that's not true. We work together on some fundraising stuff. We both do fundraising for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that he necessarily wanted it, but I wanted him to want it. And I wanted him to actually be The Bachelor. Okay, well, the way you talk about, like, The Bachelor, you like you knew a couple people, but it doesn't seem like you were a fan, necessarily. No. Like, I think the f- only season I ever fully watched was... Um, Oh my gosh, Tristan Ryan season. But yeah, I was never really a fan. I would watch it like casually. I'm just not a TV person at all. And so when I did it, it was more for like, you know, ultimately once I knew Drew wasn't going to be The Bachelor, it was like, no, you know, it was more for the thrill of it and the experience of it than it was like, oh my gosh, I've been a huge fan of this show and like, let me go be a part of this. So that's why when I think I was sharing this the first time around, but like my, my, even my casting weekend experience was just like very different. So, you know, the casting call in Phoenix, I got pulled aside. They had me do my like full length interview, start the background check, like asking me about time off. And the whole time I'm just kind of like, oh yeah, I can take eight weeks off work. Thinking in my head, like there's no way in hell I'm even doing this. Of course not. So then casting weekend comes up in LA and I'm like, well, my best girlfriend from college lives in LA. So like, of course I'm going to go for a free weekend in LA. So even when I get there, it was like the whole period, the the whole piece of it was like, just, I mean, you know, it's so curated and they had me, I was the first one to meet with the producers. And it was interesting because they were very like clear about things they're manipulative, right? You know this as well as I do. So they share information because they want you to feel special. And so, but what I do know is I met with um, the producers at like 7 a.m. on Saturday. So I was actually the first person to meet with them. And the the only time I've ever been like starstruck or I would say like just, you know, kind of like felt what probably someone in the franchise would feel or someone who was like a big fan of the franchise name or whatever yeah. before that interview there. Like I'm in Davina's hotel room. It's like 7 a.m. on a Saturday. And they're like, do you want a mimosa? I'm like, this is weird. Yes, sure. Why not? Like, okay. And they're like taking more photos. And then all of a sudden they all just like scurry out. No one says anything. They just leave me alone in the hotel room. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, I don't understand. And then there's a knock at the door. And because I'm just far too trusting, I don't look through the people. I just open it. And it's Chris Harrison, you know, he who should not be named and a camera crew. And I was like, I don't even understand what is happening. Like what I, but like that was the moment where I was like Star Trek. Had you like signed the contract at that point? No. So they did a bunch of B-roll in, that year. I don't know that they always do it, but they did like some B-roll of the casting experience because they actually did use that footage. But so he came into the hotel room uh, where we stood at the door and I just remember being like, oh, uh, what the hell is going on? And he's like, can I come in? It's like, uh, sure. So we're in this like little hotel room. That's not my room. And he's just asking me questions. And then from there, I went and met with one of the like, um, EAs and then all of the production staff. 
And they, they told me in that conversation that it was Juan Pablo as The Bachelor. Your experience kind of reminds me of mine in that there was a lot done to like boost your ego, oh, boost wow. your confidence, make you feel like you're very important. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you know how it is. Cause it's like, it runs through the every, it colors every conversation that you have. And so it started there and then it continued because, you know, I decided like I was auditioning for the Suns at the same time and I didn't like, I made the Suns and I was, I want to say I was 29. So, um, but when I called and said like, listen, I made the Suns, like, I'm not going to like, I'm not coming on the show. Thanks, but no thanks. Then that's when like, there was full court press, fly sent all of these roses. Um, they were beautiful. I wish I had like taken photos of them. And, um, it was just like very much like you have to do this. And I was like, but I want to dance. Like I've, you know, like I've been dancing my whole life. Like I get to dance professionally, like, which is something I thought was like kind of, you know, gone for me. And they're like, but you could be on dancing with the stars. We could help you get on the Lakers here. Um, you know, I, in everything it's, you could be the next bachelorette. Like, and so ultimately I ended up doing the bachelor only because that's what work preferred me to do, which is odd enough. And so that's why I was like, I told work I was going to do the sons and then they made a big stink about it. And so I was like, fine, I want to go on the bachelor. And they were like, okay, great. (laughs) And I totally thought that I was using the bachelor as like this leverage piece that they were going to be like, oh no, 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 it's okay. You can do the sons. So then I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm doing the bachelor. And so I was gone for five weeks, came back and, um, you know, the awesome part and the reason why I wouldn't change it, even though I would have loved to actually dance for the Suns for a season, was I just did so much fundraising work as a result of it. I raised um, probably like $200,000 in total as a result of all the charity work I did following the show. Well, that you're a queen for that. It, it was awesome. I mean, because I wasn't like a super fan, like the whole like attention and like, I just all of like the PR of it. I was like, this is kind of odd. And if people want to like, pay me to like hear about what the experiences were like, I don't need to sell in my era was like, Instagram was very new. And we were like, everyone's hawking like sugar bear hair gummies. Ah, I remember those, right. The little blue gummies. So I was like, listen, I don't like, I don't need to do that. But if I can use all of this to like actually raise more money to do something good, then like, that's awesome. So I went that route. What Juan Pablo was on, Desiree season. Desiree season. But you hadn't really watched Desiree's season, right? No, I just watched it to try to see the drama with Bobby unfolds. And then I was like, okay, this is stupid. Did you have any thoughts about Juan Pablo? I mean, I didn't have any thoughts about him. I thought he was cute. Like, I was like, okay, he's cute. He's athletic. He's, he's got a daughter. Like I speak a little bit of Spanish. Like this could maybe work. Yeah. I mean, he was, wasn't he like final like 10 or something? Yeah, I don't, he was, he was final 10, like 10 or eight. Like he definitely didn't make it. Like, I don't think, oh, well, I know he didn't do hometowns, but they just went with this. I think it was maybe their first stab at like diversity. Good on them, right? Good on the them. whole other ball of wax. But, um, you know, they went for like the Latin lover vibe because he had the accent and, you know, one of the things, and I, you know, like his mastery of the English language. I think sometimes people will be like, oh, he just doesn't understand. I think he has 
good mastery of the language. Yeah. I think there's some nuances that like, you don't know if you're not a native speaker, but I think that he uses that to his like leverage. What was your, I mean, obviously I think that the first night is like one of the wackiest nights of your entire life. Yeah. I mean, what, what was your impression of that night as one, just someone who was picked to do the show, but someone who had never really watched reality TV slash anything before. And then your first impression of, of Juan Pablo. So it was interesting because, you know, like the whole like being locked in your hotel for days beforehand, like just that whole experience is like, and all of the people coming in to like try to manipulate you and get you in like the mindset that they want you in was wild. But again, it was more of that like prepping where they, they came in and they're like, okay, so you're going to be in the first limo and you're going to be the first one out and the first one in the house because we want you to feel like really confident. That's a meaningful spot. To, right. to exit the limo. Yeah. Um, which of course, like I, I don't re- even remember what order I got showed in, but mm-hmm. it, it really was like, I do have to say, like, I don't know what their real intentions were. And I probably just ended up being like too vanilla for them, like in the long run. Right. But um, it actually was really nice getting out first and being in the house first, because then I wasn't walking into this room full of women. I just was like, they kept slowly trickling in and I was like, oh yeah, hey, like I was last. So yeah. So that experience was good. I mean, the whole piece of it, you can see what they, you know, like they want you to like talk about certain things. They put you in different groups. Like I, you know, I, I was in a sorority in college and so I'm very comfortable with like groups of large women and, and I'm comfortable with things get getting catty and like, I get how to handle that shit. So like, it wasn't, it was more just like such an interesting, like like human experience like it's literally like an experiment like a social yeah totally all of these people and you've got lucy who came in barefoot and then um you know like lauren solomon came in with her like rolling piano and so you you, Mm -hmm. we didn't we had some sticky stuff not as much as there is now although i was really jealous of the um the ball pit the ball pit yes loved loved it but yeah and my first impression of juan pablo i mean that was probably the moment I was most nervous. Cause like you pull up to the house and you see him standing outside and I was like, Oh shit. And then they open the limo door and I'm like, Oh shit. And you have to do the awkward, like wait five seconds before you walk towards him. And so you're both just staring at each other briefly. Like, hello. Yeah. So, um, first impression was like good. But then when we finally had time to talk, it was just very like, average at best it it was forced how much time did you get the first night not very much because they had told me they were like because I said I like I don't want to come on the show because what if I get sent home the first night like that's just such a waste of energy of like this whole like the drama with work of like leaving right and they said they're like we will guarantee you that you won't leave the first night you weren't too nervous about getting through. Yeah. I mean, but then again, you know how they are. They totally could have just cut me anyway. But at that point, you didn't, you, you still probably were like, they, they're the best. Yeah. I, I thought they were like decent and I had enough data points. They were like clearly trying hard enough that like it was in their best interest not to cut me in the first night too. Like you don't work that hard. There's a million girls that want to be on the show. Like I'm not that like pretty or unique. Like, so you probably have put some effort in and I'm like far up far enough along in your storyboard that like removing me is painful. So who was someone that like night one, not like intimidated you, but I don't know, maybe someone you thought, Ooh, like I got to watch out for that person or, or I really like that person. I, I could see myself being friendly with that person. Um, I adored Charlene. Like it was interesting because our house kind of split pretty quickly. We had like it, you know, so Claire came in, I want to say she was like, 
after me because my limo was me, Claire, Nikki. Nikki and I like definitely didn't hit it off. Right away? Right away. Yeah. I think probably because we each saw each other as like enemy number one because we were like blondes. Like, you know, we kind of like fit, we, we fit the same type. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, okay, you're going to be my competition here. You know, in terms of people that I like didn't like really didn't drive with. I mean, there were just, there were so many personalities and it's so hard to like get to know people the first night, but I really liked Kelly and Charlene, um, Christy, who was also from Chicago, who now lives in Atlanta. Andy mm-hmm. and I were like, like formidable foes kind of, it was like friendly, but not. Okay. So let's, you were in the interesting position because you had a really, really early one-on-one. Yes. Week one, right? Which also is reserved, I feel like, for someone who's, like, important. It was interesting. So early one-on-one. But I also have to say, I think I've had the worst one-on-one in franchise history. I had a running date. It was, well, as someone who doesn't run, it it looked horrible for me. But at least you, you know, looked athletic and, like, you run and stuff. Yeah. Thankfully, at that point in my life, because I had just, you know, like, gone through all the audition stuff for this songs, like, I was in really great shape and I had been running. So, like, I could handle that piece of it. But there's still nothing romantic about it. And, like, so he picks me up. I was the second one-on-one for the first episode. Claire had the first date. And then I got the second one. What was the date card? Something about like, can you feel the electricity? Oh, because it was an electric run. You had, yes. That piece of it was fun, but it's like, you can't get to know someone while you're running. Can't even breathe. No. And so we had a picnic beforehand. He picks me up from the house. We go to this like botanical gardens, um, walk around, like have a picnic. And this is where it just like, immediately went south for me and like had we not had this picnic maybe we would have had like a different like interaction or experience together but while we're sitting down he looks at me and goes so what else do you want to know about Juan Pablo third he said Juan Pablo yeah not like tell me more about yourself what do you want to know about me what do you want to know about me and not just me but like me and the third person did he ask you questions no So what did you guys talk about? It was, you know, I asked him about his daughter. You know, I would volunteer information because I'm also not the person to like sit in silence. And so I would just like start talking. And yeah, yeah, but when he asked me about himself in the third person, I just thought like, oh God, like this is, you know, this is not going to be it. And that was, so that was pretty early on. So then we pack up from the botanical garden. And then of course, you know, there's the second like surprise part of it. And this was the cool part. Like, you know, we drove up to this, like, you know, small private plane on a hangar. PJ. Yes. Yeah. So I got the PJ, which was awesome because I mean, when else? And actually I have been in a jet since then for work stuff. So like, I can't complain too much, but never going to have that dating experience, like getting in a plane and not knowing where it's going. They're like, so where do you think we're going? I'm like, I don't know. And the electric blue running shoes should have like been a hint, but I thought we were going to Vegas for like a rave. Of course. Yeah. We landed in Salt Lake city. And so then we um, went to the hotel. Of course, they still don't tell you what you're doing and, you know, each have our own like ITMs and they get everything, everyone ready. And then we go back out into the world in separate cars. They drop me off in the parking lot and they're like, go run over to him. So I'm like trotting over and he's like, all right, are you ready? I'm like, still have no idea what we're doing. And so I'm like, yeah, sure. So we start like walking down the sidewalk and then he starts jogging. I'm like, 
okay, he must be really excited. So I start like jogging with him and we turn the corner. No. And I was like, it was the starting line of the run. And I was like, oh my God. I would have turned. I'm like, I don't, I don't run. Have fun. I'll be your cheerleader on the sidelines. So yeah, then we ran the full, I mean, we ran the full 5k, 3.1 miles. And then we, like, he gave me the rose up on stage, but so there was just no like romantic connection. Right. Did you even kiss on that date? We never kissed. Was, was production at all like, yo, we got to get some romance out of this. Like, no, I ended up being like for this season. I feel like I ended up being like the Greek chorus of every everything. Like, you know, like I was the one they would put with people when they wanted the girls to talk because I like, I, I know the game enough. Yeah. Like, even though I didn't watch the show, like I knew that they were in charge of my fate. And so if they were like asking me questions, like I wasn't the person who was like, I'm not going to answer that. I wish I had had that thought. <laughs> And um, I just knew like how much power they held. And so, um, you know, I think they kept me, I think truly I was kept around as like wallpaper, so. Well, okay, so as someone who didn't ever get a one-on-one, I'm just curious, like, what are they like? Like, do you feel like, do you feel like there's cameras around you? Do you feel like you get a lot of time to get to know this person? Yeah, you definitely. And I think it's probably different depending on when your one-on-one is in the season. Like if you're, because it was all so foreign, it was like three days into filming that I'm doing this. And so it still feels like having the cameras there is odd. You know, I think, I do think you get like just used to it as time goes on. Um, You, you know, we got a good amount of time together, but because of, you know, like, we didn't know each other well and the language barrier, whatever it was, you know, you can hypothesize whether he like uses it or if it's real. It just like the whole thing felt like very artificial. And of course it's always artificial. Uh, you know, one-on-ones are great. Yeah. Because it's just the two of you, but that it's, it, it sometimes feels disjointed. Like it's hard to carry a full day because you're consistently being like pulled to an ITM, pulled to an ITM, pulled to an ITM or they pull you away. And it's like, not necessarily like a costume change, right? But they're like getting you ready for the next section or they want to help you. They want to like frame your mindset specifically on something. Did you did you mention at all maybe during that date to production, like I'm just not feeling this or like- No, cause I was like, all right, well, they already told me maybe I could be the next bachelorette. So I got to ride this. <laughs> I mean, I just got to stay here as long as I can. Hey, yeah. I love that. I'm really proud that you can say that. I was like, I got to figure out a way to stay because I left way too much to come here. But not enough to go in for a kiss or something like that, right? I I don't know why I didn't. I think I just like really wasn't feeling it to the point of like, and I've always been the kind of person like I prefer the guy to make the first move. Like I've never been. That's I'm like that too. Yeah. Like I just like if this is actually going to be romance. So I wanted it, it. It is interesting though. like I didn't play the game far enough to like really play the game, but I like played it far enough to make sure that I like was in the producer's like good graces. I'm assuming this is a no, but like at any point, did you feel like Juan Pablo was your boyfriend? Absolutely not. It's just like, I mean, you know how it is. Like, and because I have to assume like your answer would be no, right? Like, it's hard to feel like you should, right? Because you're like, okay, yeah, like we're going on. But it's so hard to think that when he's not. Right. There's so many women like surrounding you and there's just like this experience that's, yeah, very bizarre. So, but here's like, here's what might be different about my experience than yours, right? Is like a lot of women, you know, sat around the house and talked about like how great Ben is or how into Ben they are, like, blah. Like, did the women 
of Juan Pablo's season sit around and talk about how great he was? Or did they sit around and say, Hey, did he ask you any questions? No. Like that's the thing is like, and even when you watch the season play back, like it kind of felt like, like he was like the secondary piece of the show. Like he was not necessarily the center of the show. It was like the drama because there wasn't all of this like drama over like girls fighting over him and their feelings for him. It, like they pulled out a lot of like drama between the women. Did you think Nikki was the front runner the whole time or who, who was, if not? Yeah, it was definitely Nikki, Andy, Claire. I mean, that was like pretty clear. Claire, like, I'm sure if like you asked her the question, did you feel like he was your boyfriend? She would say yes. Like you could tell Charlene was his favorite, but like knowing Charlene, like you could just see the, that like that wasn't, like, I, I just always felt from her that, like, she had a connection with him that was, like, there was, like, some chemistry, but there didn't seem to be anything more than that. The theory was, like, had Charlene not sent herself home, a lot of people thought she would have been. Oh, for sure. He was, like, I mean, from night one, right? She was, she would have been, like, the story of the first impression rose that gets the final rose. Yep. Head over heels. Probably could have sent all of us home. So, so let me, let's talk about Nikki a little bit more, because... As we all remember, Nikki, who, quote unquote, won the season, was the villain uh, right. as well. And you and her, I mean, I'm assuming if, if you were the one that was kind of around, like talking about things, talking to people like you did kind of get in it with her a little bit, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I got in it with her um, in South Korea. There was actually like we really got into it and they never even aired it. And then I got into it with Claire in Thailand. Cause like the later, like later on in the season, I feel like I was like pretty buttoned up at the beginning. And then I was just like, fuck that. Claire and I got a fight over like perfume because the one thing, so I have, and my, I wish my girlfriend had done this as like an Instagram account because bachelor data, if you follow them. So like before bachelor data was bachelor data, my girlfriends, when they were helping me get ready for the show, one of them watched every season of the bachelor, the first night episode and like categorized their entrance, like what color they wore, what they did and what the reaction was and how far they went. And so she sent me this spreadsheet and it was like, there were a few things that stuck out as like good things to do on night. What did the data say? So I forget what color it might've been red, which is why I wore red, but then, um, the scent like scent was a big thing that like helped people stand out. And so I made sure to wear perfume and he actually commented on it and it like, got aired like I bet he's like oh she smells good so that was the perfume I wore for the like whole season and then we're in Thailand and Claire's like oh he hates Dolce Gabbana light blue which is what I was wearing and so then we went at it in the bathroom because I was like no he doesn't I wore it and he said I smell good and the data shows that perfume is better <laughs> right? but so the with Nikki it was more just like she was judgmental and like pretty petty and very territorial. Like she's someone who definitely felt like Juan Pablo was her boyfriend and if not her boyfriend, but like her territory, her man. And so if you encroached on that, she would, you know, snap back really quickly. And so it just like, I got to a point where I was like, I'm tired of this. Like, like you don't get to treat people like this. You don't get to say shit like that. And you don't get to like, 
walk around here like you're the only one who has any vested interest in what's happening. So, um, but again, it's all like they're going to show what they want to show for like their story arc. And my story arc was like this sweet, kind one. And so those pieces of me like, you know, like blurting out, like just landed on the cutting room floor. Actually, speaking of, you guys had a pretty sick traveling you went to like new zealand didn't you and you just yeah. to south korea where yeah, else did yeah. you go um vietnam right we did we did south korea first after we left la vietnam and then new zealand and new zealand was gorgeous but that was also where we did those zorbs like the oh. plastic balls that you like roll down the hill in which yeah. was super fun and the one time i thought i might kiss him um because i was in a zorb with him and then nothing happened but he threw sheep poop at us at the end of it. Like literally we're in these pastures and he picks up like dried shit, literal shit and starts like throwing it at all of us. Like as a joke, like that's not funny. You don't like throw shit at people. Did that air? Yeah, they did. It aired in the credits actually. Oh, like, (laughs) yeah. So, but the travel was epic. It, It really was. And so I got sent home in New Zealand, which like the, the thing that made me feel a little better and Bennett was like my, um, like producer that I was closest with. And so he was like, listen, the next stop, like you're not even going to miss out. And they went to Miami the next stop for like before hometowns. So, but like, so my travel was not that epic, but obviously like with how condensed the show is going all the way to somewhere like New Zealand, that's like hard to do. And then turn around the next day and like do the dates, do the makeup, like, were you exhausted? Uh, yes. But you just like, I think you're running on adrenaline. We had one dark day in South Korea where we actually, I randomly was like found some photos over the weekends where they like gave us cash and like we were out with the producers. And did you guys have a dark day? We had a dark day and it was in New, uh, it was in Mexico City. Oh, nice. But that was when I was like, I was, sequ- I was sequestered from all the women. And so all the women went out and went shopping and then me and my producer went and had a massage at the spa because I hadn't had there were no cameras and they didn't want me to see the women until the cameras were back so they did not let me see any of the women oh my god I feel like I have so many questions for you I want to like turn this around and has anyone interviewed you on your own podcast because I feel like that needs to happen uh it hasn't happened in a long time but I'd be down I think you'd be ripe the right person. We're, we're going to make that happen. Okay. I, I still can't believe you went through, you went that far and you never kissed him one time. I know. So I had two like very like interesting things that like mentally hung me up about the show before I went on. Like I didn't want to be like sucking face on national television yeah. just because it's like everyone sees that, but in, and, and that's fine. Except for it's like my customers were going to see that, like all the physicians I work with, the patients that I work with, like that to me, it's just like, and and my parents, like my family seeing that. Of course. Like I didn't want to get sent home in a minivan. Who would want that? Right. Like you see these women and like I, because I wasn't someone who would watch the show, I would just watch like rose ceremonies, like before I left to get an idea of like, okay, what should I wear? 
and right. I'm watching these rose ceremonies and I see these girls like hop into a minivan and then like totally like just like overwhelmed with tears. And I was like, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be hysterically crying in the back of a minivan. So I was like, I, my two things is I just don't want, like, unless I really like him, I don't want to be like sucking face. And so that's probably what led me not to like kiss him is I was like, whatever, this guy's a total dead anyway. And I really wanted to get sent home in a limo, which is not anything you have any control over. I was like, I have to stay long enough that I don't have to go home in a minivan. And sure enough, so the, the two of us that got sent home, the um, like episode we were in New Zealand where it was Cassandra who got sent home. It was her birthday. He had no idea. No one in production told him. Because of course, then we got to the point in the season where they were just trying to do things to make him look bad. And then I was the only one to get sent home from the rose ceremony. So I got a limo. So I was like, you know what? All things aside, I checked my boxes. Yeah. Okay. So for us, as someone who never really had a romantic connection with him, like when you were sent home, did you feel it coming? So it's funny because you know how, how it is, right? The, when we were in Vietnam, I thought I was going home because I was like, I have no connection with him. Like this, uh, like, I don't even know why I'm here. That's when I started to have those feelings of being like, this is like, I'm obviously going home. I'm going home. And of course, you know, they, the production will pull that out of you and then they'll keep you because they want to like keep that feeling. So I didn't go home. But then our next stop, New Zealand, it was between me and Chelsea. It was like very clearly because there were six of us left or no, five. Yeah, six of us. And so it was like Charlene, Nikki, Claire, Andy, none of those four were going home. And then me and Chelsea, right? And so it's between me and Chelsea. I'm like, okay, I'm not going home. So they they got me into this like confident mindset of like, I'm not going home over Chelsea. Like she's, she was a lot younger than me. Like I, you know, I just was like, there's no way. Which Chelsea, if you're listening to this, congratulations. She just got engaged. Oh, yay, Chelsea. Yes, which is very exciting. But so they totally played up. And then you know what happens. What happens to the girl who's like, no, I'm not going home. I'm staying this week. I'm totally staying. Yeah. Then she goes home. Did I cry in the limo? Hell yeah, I cried. I like you. It's the sense of loss of like missed opportunity. Right. Because like I knew I wasn't going far enough to actually be the next bachelorette. And yeah. I knew that like what I wanted to accomplish, which was like ultimately to like find some connection and like have a really positive experience, like didn't happen. I had no connection with him. And then the girls who I had become really close with, like Charlene, I was like wearing her dress that night and she was wearing my jacket. So leaving her was just like devastating. Yeah. And it's like you, you create, even if you don't think the producers are your friends, because let's be real, they're not like, you create this new network that you've been isolated from everything else. So even not liking him, I felt like I was losing. Like I felt like, like I had, I had lacked like achieving this accomplishment. And so um, I was like a total wreck in the limo. Paradise back then. Why did you never do paradise? Were you ever asked? Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was asked twice. I think for me, I looked at it and I was like, my edit coming off the show wasn't bad. I was like, I don't know that lightning strikes twice because it actually ended up helping my business. And I did all of the charity work. And the first time they asked me about paradise, I had a um, like kind of boyfriend and I was still at the same company. And even though they're like, you can just come for two weeks. Like it just like, I thought about doing it and then just was like, this is not, it's not worth it. Well, let's get to some post show stuff. You had a pretty good edit, I would say, but even people with good edits have hard times with fans. Like, did you ever 
run into anything post-show that was difficult or... You know, like the the fan stuff. I mean, certainly some of the worst stuff that I saw was like pre the season airing, you know, like when, because I got leaked by Reality Steve before filming even started as a contestant. And so I saw some stuff before I left that was like daggers to the heart. Just like, I mean, and it was stuff like actually, um, so my girlfriend is the one who leaked me to Steve. And so then I had this connection to him and he helped me kind of trace down like who some of these, this commentary had come from. And it was like people that actually knew me. Right. And so that, I think that was the hardest revelation for me is like some of the fiercest and like most cloaked critics are the ones that are close to you. I mean, I'm sure you've had that, like this experience where it's like people want to cut you down because they don't like, because you've all of a sudden like exceeded them in whatever perception they had. Right. And so it's like, they can't, they're jealous of what you're doing or they don't like what you're doing or they don't like how it makes someone else feel. And so they just have to undercut. So I think that was like a very early lesson. Um, And then it was actually the thing that I was most like ashamed of was I got a, we call it a Paula in Iowa public, Mm -hmm or possession of alcohol under the legal age. So I was drinking before I was 21 in a bar, got a ticket for it. Right. And so then it becomes this like splashy article that stuff bothered me more than like some of the petty commentary, but yeah, I mean, people are ruthless. It doesn't matter what your edit is. These keyboard warriors are just there and like fiercely like passionate about their viewpoints. You're still with your boyfriend. I am. I'm still with my boyfriend. So we have, um, we've been together or back together for a year now. So we're about to move in together. I'm renovating a house right now. And once that's done, we're going to move in together. We had to uh, renovate the shower because he's uh, 6'10". And so the shower had seven foot ceilings. (laughs) Our story is kind of a fun kismet story. This was like, I don't know, maybe six months after this show, a girl that I knew texted me like very randomly, like 2am being like, Hey, are you single? Like I have, my boyfriend has a friend who just got back from living in Europe. Like, I think you guys would really hit it off. And I was like, "Mm." I read her message and I didn't even like dignify it with a response. I I really liked her as a person, but her boyfriend was not someone I was a fan of. And so, um, in which again, I have to recognize, cause actually this guy, Jason is someone who I do, you know, like, and appreciate now he's got his own flavor of like what he, you know, he was like a club owner at the time and all these sorts of things. And I was like, that's just not my scene. Then literally like another half a year goes by and Bumble comes out. And so oh. I'm single, I get on Bumble and Matt was the first person I matched with and went on a date with. And we had one mutual connection because he went to Stanford and I knew a guy that played football at Stanford, Matt played basketball. And so, you know, we start talking over that. We go on our first date and I realized, oh my gosh, this is the guy. He had just gotten back from playing in Europe. He played basketball in Europe for a handful of years. Like this is the guy that Laura tried to fix me up with that I was like not interested. So we were together for a couple of years. Yep. Yeah. And then we took some time off, right. You know, we needed to grow up a little bit, both of us. And yeah, it's, um, he's awesome. He's like the kindest, nicest, sweetest, like you, I think people naturally assume that like, you know, cause he's like tall and athletic that he's kind of like, I don't know, like has this like ego or arrogance or something, but he's just like the sweetest guy I actually feel bad for him. You want to talk about like commentary, like he gets it because mm-hmm. 
like when we go anywhere, because he is tall, right? Yeah. You, like he sticks out. They'll have headphones in and they'll come up and like poke him and be like, how tall are you? you know, or like start making jokes. It's just like, let the poor guy like be himself. I mean, that's like the moral of all of this, right? Is like people get so invested in the lives of people on television and people you know, feel so like empowered to share their commentary. And that's the one thing, like, I'd be curious of your perspective on it. Cause I just don't think the franchise prepares people for that. No, You know, like we had um, Dr. Selden who was still there, who was like a resource. They don't prepare you for like what to expect, like how to care for yourself. And I get it. Cause they just don't care. Right. This is like a revenue generating engine for them, but also you do like, because the engine has gone on so long. Right. And like, we're seeing now that they're recognizing, wait, they need to make some choices. Like with social media, what it is now with the internet being like omnipotent in all of our lives, like you Better. need to prepare these people because I mean, you and I like know and experienced it. Like it psychologically can like really fuck you up oh it's damaging as hell like because for me and I'd be curious of uh, your experience but it was like for me because I I went in with all of this like love and adoration from the producers and because I felt flat I left feeling like I failed like it was something I did like there was something inherently wrong like I legitimately came back and like ended up with an eating disorder like it's like you know so I think that that's the piece that no one sees and that production like just doesn't care about they don't care how you how they have to manipulate people to get whatever they want to be like really great show content and there has to be like some sort of like ethical like barometer back there where do you draw it when when the corruption is just so rampant how can you even draw a line you know where do you draw it right it's like and and maybe you don't draw like maybe you say like come on our ethically corrupt show we're gonna give you these resources and like when you leave here you're gonna like i don't know have someone you can talk to or like alumni that will teach you like how to use your social media or how not to engage with trolls or you know like you don't have because they're not going to change the framework of the show like obviously they have a formula they've decided it works they're going to keep going but they do need to recognize that like they're putting people's lives in peril at this point like it's no longer you know like the not that it was easy street but like um from brad's first season jenny croft she was actually one of the sun's dancers judges when i auditioned so she was like a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader for a while. She was a Suns dancer for a little bit. She was actually Suns dancer when she went on The Bachelor. And so I talked to her about her experience and it's just totally different, right? Because like the internet wasn't what it is now or even what it was in my season, which my season, it was way less. Like Instagram wasn't a thing, like all of these pieces of it. I I don't know. I think there, there has to be some reckoning and maybe it's something that like, you know, we do as like past contestants that it's not something the show creates, you know, like I actually, I never successfully got it off the ground, but that was one thing I tried to create afterwards is like, once I saw like the, like, just like the philanthropic power of what I was able to do, I was like, wait, we need to do this. Like, how do you create a framework? And maybe that's what it is. Maybe it takes some past concept, you know, contestants like coming together and saying like, how do we, how do we create resources and like an understanding of like, if you want to build your brand, here's what you need to do. If you care about taking care of your mental health, here's what you need to do. I talked about this very publicly, right? Like the 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 bare minimum that they can do 
is cover therapy and medication if that's required. I think there should be a therapist after the fact that's not Dr. Selden. I mean, and you want to talk about fall from grace, right? You realize like how quickly, as soon as the cameras are gone, like I was in a motel. I was in like a motel in New Zealand. When you're done, you are done. And I think that's the hardest part probably for any, well, I I shouldn't say that was the hardest part for me. I shouldn't hypothesize for any other people, but it's like, just like the bottom falls out so quickly. My human nature is to think like, it's my fault. What did I do wrong? Like if I would have been like, I don't know, different or better or or said, you know, different things that like I, they would have treated me differently. Well, let's, let's just, let's finish with travel talk. We all love the travel talk. So as two people who love being in an airplane aisle and an airplane seat, um, this past year was really hard, but as you said, you're going to France. I'm going to Nice. So I leave for Chicago on Friday and then I go to um, Paris Saturday. So I guess we land in Paris Sunday, like 9am. Yeah. And I'm there for like nine days. Um, My sister and I are going, she's a teacher. So she's off because I left my job. So like I have my job, which is, you want to talk about like stability. And it was like the one thing that was a constant in, in all of this, like bachelor craziness and life craziness. And um, you know, I had, I think I, last time I was on clubhouse with you, I was like prepping for an interview hey, you and were. interviewed for a promotion. Second time I've interviewed for this specific role, didn't get the promotion. And I just kind of was like, you know what? I think it's time for me to explore new organizations and new opportunities because I've only ever done this one thing that's in my like safety bubble. And I felt like I didn't like, I kind of felt like I was dying on the vine over there. Like I just wasn't creatively inspired anymore. I wasn't excited about what I was doing. So I started looking for other opportunities and I'm actually moving to a startup company in the same space, but I'm so excited. So I'm like employee number like 30 or something like a very small. And so I don't start until July 5th. And I gave my company 30 day notice, more than 30 day notice. And they were like, thanks, but no thanks. Cause I'm technically going to a competitor. So I basically worked, I was available for questions for the last two weeks and now I'm fully off for the next four. And um, so I was like, I have to go somewhere. And France announced last Friday that they're opening today, actually. Today they're open to vaccinated Americans. So you have to have a negative COVID test. You have to prove um, that you've been vaccinated. So you have to have your vaccination card and fill out this like attestation form. And I had to get vaccinated for work because we're in and out of the hospital. So it's required. Yeah. But like, if I, even if I didn't have to get vaccinated for work, I would get vaccinated because that's the right thing to do. But also it lets you leave the country. Well, here's, here's what I did. I'm actually checking it now that we're speaking. So I'm so dumb. And because like we weren't thinking about travel, I let my passport expire. Total accident. I I wasn't even thinking about it because typically I'm flying. I would see it. They would remind me. Um, Oh, it's finally in process. Woo! I sent my passport in and for weeks now, it just has said like not or yeah, pending or whatever. And I'm like, oh my God, this is going to take me four months. And then by then school will be started again. I do. I, I have to go somewhere so France is open. Croatia is open. Italy and Greece are open. Spain was supposed to open. So that was my first choice. Spain was supposed to open this past Monday. And I was going to do two weeks in Spain and like work on my Spanish. Um, but they decided to keep their borders closed. 
I was so devastated. So France was, you know, my consolation prize, which I'll take it. Literally, when we get off the phone, I'm just going to Google, like, what is open right now? Well, I guess you won't have your passport. I was going to say, get yourself to Nice. I've... I would I would meet you there in 10 seconds if I had a way to get over there. But my freaking passport is flying in the skies somewhere. I'm such an idiot. I would, in, a, in any other world, I would never do that. I'm so mad at myself. Well, yeah, it just, like, wasn't top of mind. But I will say that was, that I think that was another thing for me from the franchises that, like, just having those, like, because we did get to do such exotic travel, like even getting to experience those small snippets just made me so much more open to the idea of like doing small travel, like making big flights, even yeah. if it's short amounts of time. Maybe before the week before you go back, hopefully I'll have it by then. Maybe we could just yeah. do like a quick little Dubrovnik or like a- Oh my gosh, yes. A little jaunt, a little hop, skip and a jump. I was looking at doing Greece again. I did Greece two years ago, like yeah. island trip. I really want to do Crete, so. Maybe it's just because I haven't seen, I, I'm, everything looks amazing. I'm like, ah. We did Santorini, Paros, and Mykonos, and like. Mykonos is sexy, like, you know, it's like the, it's the sexy, I feel like. Oh, it is. It's like very trendy and very like, I don't know. It's just like, there's nothing like bad to say about Greece. I, I feel like that about every international like destination. People are always like, what's your favorite? And like, ask me that after I get back. My last question for you, I I forgot to ask this. Are you still blocked by Juan Pablo on Twitter? Oh my gosh. Uh, yes, I am. So this is it. That's the weirdest thing. It's like, we never, we had no connection. We had, I mean, I heard through reality, Steve, that he was like talking a little shit about me saying that I was like a party girl and that I like thought I was a much better dancer than I actually was. And I had a big ego and I was like that. Okay. First off, that's offensive because like Nikki and I did get into drama over like I went on this date where we danced with um, the K-pop group yeah. and we were like the backup dancers. And so it's me and Cassandra and then Nikki and maybe Claire. No, I don't remember who else was with us, but of course I'm like, I just got off like my son's audition tour. Like, so I was like in great shape and like really like amped up for the camera, but like, I'm not a, bad dancer. And also Juan Pablo, we never spoke. We like hardly had any conversation. I mean, yeah, I guess I'm talking shit about him now, but I think he also kind of set the stage. I'm like, you were, we had no conversation and yet you're willing to like judge me enough that it like gets back to reality, Steve, which you're not just like saying that casually to someone and then to block me on Twitter when we had no interaction on Twitter. That was the weirdest thing. It wasn't like I'd posted something and was like derogatory towards him in any way. And especially when I first got off the show, I was very PC towards everyone. I didn't want any enemies, which is impossible because when you make no enemies, everyone's your enemy, right? Because you're always like worried about stepping in minefields. Um, but yeah, it was bizarre. So I'm still blocked. Great way to end this beauty. Yeah, he really, really broke his heart. Not only, like, we didn't even talk when he walked me out to the car when I got sent home. Because what was I going to say? Like, oh, it was really nice to meet you. Like, I mean, it was nice to meet him, but like, we had no connection. There was no reason to have any conversation. I can't believe you guys like sat down at like those cocktail parties and talked and whatever and like never kissed one time. It was an odd experience. I'm glad I had it. I would do it over again but I wouldn't do it again right do the same thing again I would do that too actually yeah 
Yeah. But, you know, and fun to get to like walk down memory lane. So I love doing stuff like this. There are some really bright spots of the franchise and what this like experience brings you, you being one of them, right? Yeah. You know, like Charlene yeah. and Ashley and Kaylee, even they don't, don't know her super well. It's like, you know, this network that you have. I do love seeing like, I feel like now more so than ever, like the new contestants are like really integrated with each other, which is super fun. Yeah. Well, okay. Share, share your social media, any where you want us to follow you along. Very easy to find. I'm at Kat Hurd, K-A-T-H-U-R-D on all the socials. Love you, girl. I'm so glad we finally got to do that. I love you. And yeah, let's just continue attempting to text each other on a regular basis. Perfect. Love you. Bye. Bye, girl.